I would be writing pages downstairs, you know, for three or four hours. And I'd go upstairs and the wife's like, you finished the book? You finished the issue yet? It's like, no. She's like, well, then what are you doing up here? Go back downstairs and finish the book. You only have two pages left. Go downstairs and finish. And I'd be like, well, I don't want to spend time with you. She's like, get your butt downstairs and finish your book. Welcome to the Under the Mask podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 28. I'm very lucky that as the host of this podcast, I'm able to talk to a ton of professional creators. But today I have the special opportunity to talk to creator on the cusp of his very first launch. My guest this week is writer and creator of Dino Thrashers, a sci-fi comic with the feel ripped out of an old Saturday morning cartoon. This is his very first published work. Dino Thrashers is live on Kickstarter, now through Halloween. Go check it out by visiting kickstarter.com and looking up Dino Thrashers, or just click the link in the show notes below. I'd like to introduce Mike McCarthy. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Bill. So the first thing I'm going to do, what I do with all my guests, is I want you to tell us a little bit about your story. Who are you, and how did you get to be here today? Okay. Uh, my name is Mike McCarthy. I'm actually I'm, I'm from New Hampshire. I've grown up here my entire life. I went up to UMaine when I was in college for a journalism uh, degree. Ended up really not doing much with it until um, the last couple of years. I know I was uh, Bill and I were just discussing um, We Made Magazine, some magazine that I started a few years ago. Uh, but since COVID hit, um, I kind of just want, I, I've always been into comics. I've always read them. I've always, in mean, the movies have always really been super important uh, to keeping with my childhood at this point. So I decided to make the leap and just see if it was even feasible to try and write a comic book and a graphic novel, however you want to, you know, explain it out to. And I just started writing and it really just kind of clicked. I wrote the first issue of Dino Thrashers in, I think, about 10 days, uh, just like because I have a regular job, so I was doing it after work. And then I just kept on writing. And within about six weeks, I wrote the first four issues of Dino Thrashers. Then after that, I actually started looking on social media for an artist. I'm like, I, I, I couldn't draw if you handed me pens and pencils. I, I couldn't draw for a lick for anything. So... So I sent it out to a few different people that I thought may be interested and came across the artist, uh, Noah Ray. And I sent it to him. He read it and I didn't hear anything back for a week or two. And finally he wrote back and he's like, dude, I love this. I really want to like work with you and brought on our publisher as well. Ageless, Ageless Comics, who is um, Matt Kuhn and Brett Murphy. And since then, we've kind of been rocking and rolling. We've The book is almost ready uh, to be printed. Our Kickstarter is doing really well. We have about $150 left to make about $3,600 gold. And we still got 
you know, 22 days left to do it. And we're really excited about it. It's, it is, it is definitely something that will, if you were into comics in the eighties and nineties or still want to read those comics, this is something you're going to want to read. All right. So you've written out Dino Thrashers. How did you get started writing? Because this is your first work that you're having published. Did mm-hmm. you were you a writer before? And this is kind of the first time getting into comics. It is. I've done a lot of I've done a lot of interviews. I've done a lot of profiles for celebrities for uh, Wingman, like I just mentioned. Um, I think I've done. Let's see. We have 22 issues of that magazine out, and I think I've written about 150 different profiles for different celebrities or or athletes or profiles for products. So I've always been into writing. I was really into short stories when I was, um, and even started working on a novel when I was actually right out of college. And it just kind of really didn't go anywhere with it. So finally, I mean, then, so it's always been there in my blood to do it. I just finally just said, you know what? There's nothing else to do. We can't go anywhere with COVID. Let me just sit down and start writing. I downloaded the program Superscript and it's been, (laughs) it's been helpful ever since. All right, Mike, talk to us about Dino Thrashers. So Dino Thrashers, it is a lot. And basically what you're looking at is intergalactic dinosaurs having battles on earth. It really came from Ninja Turtles was my favorite when I was a kid. My older brother got me into that when it was the black and white books. And then when I was thinking about like 89 or 90, there was a cartoon called Dino Saucers. It only lasted about one season. And I look back at that and that's what really like made me want to write this comic. I even thought about like, has this comic ever been done? And I did a lot of research and there's never been like humanoid dinosaur comic books where they have humans involved and basically just kind of like Ninja Turtle size figures, not even figures, but actually characters. So that's what got me like started. And it's really about the Dino Thrashers against the Pterosaurs. Pterosaurs are the villains. Um, The leader of the Dino Thrashers is Tor. And then you have Julius Rex, who is in charge of the Pterosaurs. So it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of comedy. It's a lot of action. And nostalgia is all through this book. And I am so stoked for everyone to see this coming down soon. The excitement around it so far, I mean, everyone that I've talked to and that has seen it, um, I mean, I've had a few people read it and they're all seeing the com- like the comedic relief and the action and the excitement in this book is what people should be happy, is what people should be excited for. If you were fans of the 80s or 90s comics, like I said before, um, and you were a fan of the Turtles, you were a fan of G.I. Joe, these, this is the book that you want to start reading. I know there's so many out there. There's so many worlds to live. Check out Dino Thrashers. That's important. That will bring back your 90s, 80s and 90s nostalgia. And that's what, and you look at it now, I mean, Stranger Things, you know, that's been a big thing for, for all of us recently. Maybe it'll be, maybe the next thing. We'll see. So we talked about it a little bit. What was the original inspiration for Dino Thrashers? Uh, the inspiration was, it was Ninja Turtles. I looked at it as like, I look at, I mean, they went to other planets. I mean, they had the Triceratons come on and he was a, the Triceratons were a big inspiration for Trips, who is the, who is the number two for the Dino Thrashers. And he is a Triceratops. But I was always like, the Turtles were always big for me. And that was a huge thing. Um, even now, like I've met Kevin Eastman. He is one of the nicest people you can ever talk to. And I just look at it like it is something that I would want to read and that I would want like my kids to read or my nieces and nephews or my friends' kids to read. It is it's all it's it's all ages. I mean, I think I have like damn or hell in maybe like two <laughs> in two spots in the book, but it really is just like something that I wanted to get down. 
And then when I was writing it, what I would do is I would have, I'd be writing on one screen. On my other screen, I had 80s and 90s cartoons streaming the whole time. So I would have Street Sharks, I had Turtles, I had Transformers, and because they're, they're all on YouTube. I mean, G.I. Joe was a huge thing for me, too. So I loved all those cartoons. Thundercats, I was trying to stay away from Thundercats a little bit, uh, but there is a character, Tigrella, who is part of the Dino Thrashers, who is a lot like um, Chitara at this point. You know, it's funny with the indie comic scene right now, it seems like a lot of writers are and creators are pulling inspiration from those 80s and 90s cartoons and television series. What about that resonates with you? Well, I'm almost 40. So I grew up on all those cartoons. So, I mean, that was a big thing. That's what I grew up on. So, and that's what I would still grow up. I mean, I would, I try to watch some of the cartoons now and it's, it it is very disturbing to try and catch up with them. But I mean, G.I. Joe, Turtles, Thundercats, Mask was one of my favorites when I was a kid too. Transformers was a big one. Street Sharks I never really got into until I was writing this comic. And then I started just streaming the episodes because they're all on like they're, they're all on YouTube. But it is really like it is my generation. And that's really what I what I loved. So I wanted to bring that kind of back to bring back the old school to what it is now and, you know, throw it out there and, and see what happens. And it seems to really be resonating with everyone that's read the script so far. So you've written the first issue of Dino Thrashers. How did you go about finding your art team? So um, I mentioned it earlier. I found him on, on social media. So I sent him out. I, I started sending out, reaching out to some artists on either Instagram or Facebook. And I joined some of the Facebook groups and none of them really seemed to be like helpful. They were all like, you need to pay everybody right now or, it's, or you're never going to get it done. It's never going to happen. It's like, I understand I need to, you know, work out a deal or, you know, pay for whatever I need to happen. Just the way it came out, just the way it came out of people really, you know, pushed it, made me like not want to use that platform at all. So I started just looking through Instagram and found thousands and millions of artists out there. So I found Noah, Noah Ray, who is our, who is our line art, um, artist, art inker and our letterer uh, on Instagram. And I sent him a message and I was like, dude, you know, I love your work. I would love to, you know, I just wrote this first issue of a comic. I'd love to send it to you the first script and see what you think. So he wrote back and said, like, yeah, just send it over to me and I'll get back to you. So about a week or two later, I mean, I sent it, I sent it to a few people and some people, some people just never wrote back. So, which wasn't really surprising, but he's like, dude, I love this comic. He's like, I've been wanting to do something like this for a while. Um, he's like, I want to do this with you. He's like, I also have a publisher that is an indie publisher that would love to, you know, back this book with you. So I was like, cool. So I get a, so we're looking at an artist and looking at a publisher, you know, all in one. And I was stoked. So, and then for a colorer, uh, we have um, Alfred Cabion, uh, I think is his last name. I forget. He's out of the Philippines that Noah has used before. And his his coloring is fantastic. It's absolutely spot on. It's exactly what I was looking for. And seeing my words come to life in the art that's come out is just it's incredible so far. And for those who don't know, Noah Ray is actually one half of another podcast team constructing mm-hmm. comics. Um, I've been on their show. Uh, it's a very cool podcast. You should go check it out with Noah and Alfred. Are you paying them up front? Or are you paying them on on spec, but when the Kickstarter funds, they'll get paid? So how it's working out is Noah and I made a deal um, that he would get, that he would take his portion of the money out of the Kickstarter once it finishes. With it, When it comes to Alfred, we pay him as the pages come back. So he's, he's colored five pages for us. We paid him for five pages so far. So ahead of time. Yeah. And then obviously 
anything else that gets done once this this Kickstarter is going to help fund it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I bring that up because there's a lot of creators and it's very intimidating. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, they are writer creators. They probably are writing or have written a script looking for an artist. And it's very intimidating when you go out into the world of Instagram, when you go into Facebook groups, because there's a lot of artists who say, hey, pay me. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be kind of the artist credo. And it's terrifying. You know, I mean, you look at it and it, I mean, it could really just turn a creator or writer off like altogether when it comes to that. Like it almost turned me off when I, when I joined the, the Facebook groups first and it was like, no, no, you got to pay me, you know, 65 to to $100 a page beforehand. And I'm like, well, we're, I'm just getting this out here. I'm just trying to get an idea of how this works. I mean, I've been in publishing, but it, then we all, I mean, everyone gets paid. It's a matter of, like, okay, well, let's just see what else we can do. I mean, as a writer and a creator, it's, you know, you just want to see something come of your, of the work that you put in, but it's like, okay, well, I can drop $3,000 right now. And then you really don't know what you're going to get back. I mean, it's always kind of, it's always kind of a, it's a crapshoot out there, but it, it can be very daunting and very terrifying to people that are just getting into it. I mean, like I said, I'm almost 40, but when you come in and you're like 18, 19, 20, trying to come out with like a, writing a book or whatever, you're really going to be a little you could be terrified and really put off of not wanting to do something like that. If you come in, if you come to face to face with some of the, some of the other creators that are out there that have been doing it for years and like, Nope, you got to pay me like what Marvel and DC would pay me. It's like, well, we, we can't afford that money. Yeah. And on the other side of that coin, I understand why most artists are like that. Mm-hmm. I understand why most artists are like that because um, a lot of times there'll be maybe a, uh, a fancy talking writer will come up, you know, try to do for like a portion. Hey, we'll, we'll do a 50, 50 split on the profit. Those can work. If you have both sides that are dedicated to doing their craft, if they're dedicated to it. But the fact of the matter is that already starts you out in a hole, because if you're going to make a print run of that, that is money up front that you're spending. So before that artist sees a dime, they have to pay back that print run. So that's why I think a lot of artists are leery about it. Yeah, I can see it from both sides too. Like, because um, I also, I mean, I've done photography on the side for whether it's my magazine. Obviously, I do it for free. But if it's for someone else, I mean, I would like to make sure that I get paid too. So, as an as an artist of any kind, I mean, obviously, you want to be paid for the, for the for the work that you're putting out there. So, but as you know, the creator writer, it's like I just wanted to see if anyone wanted to literally get into the mud with me and see if it works. If it didn't, you know, fine. I'll just keep writing and see what happens. But I mean, when Noah and Matt came along, it was, you know, it was impossible to say no at that point. When you get something like Dino Thrashers, which right now it's 96% funded. I'm sure by the time this interview gets published, it's going to be 100% funded and just about ready to go. And it's a sure thing. But on the flip side of that, when you could have gotten in on that ground floor, now you're going to be able to pay that colorist with the money raised from that. Now you're going to, everybody's going to be paid and it's going to be great. It'll be published out. That's right. And then, you know, we, we, we did out our budget of what we, of what we needed to do. And, you know, whether it's for, whether it goes to the publisher, the Kickstarter or the print copies or whatever, I mean, our budget was what our budget was. And I mean, we really made the numbers work. So it really did balance out for us. And when it funds, which I mean, this doesn't come out till the 15th, I would assume that we're, that we'll be hundred percent funded by then. And I really have no doubt we're going to be funded, funded in the next seven days. Um, it really does. If you look at it, like I look at it every day and I just get, I get very excited that it's, that this is coming to fruition for, for issue one. And then, you know, we're going to start issue two's art uh, first of the year. So I think it's going to be every, I mean, probably every four or five months a new issue will come out until we can start doing it more consistently. But 
it's um it is an exciting time and i cannot wait for this to come out and this is being published now through ageless comics publishing which is a fairly small comic book publisher it is yeah uh, this will be the first one really under their like completely under their banner and i was pretty excited about that and the fact that you know they're banking on this doing well which i mean as of right now we have 15 stores that want to carry this book throughout the country so a lot of them are up here in New England. Uh, I have a couple. I have one in Chicago. I have one in Brooklyn. Matt and Noah have been working in the Maryland, Virginia area. Um, I have a couple in California that want to do it. And I've been doing that part on my own. And the fact, like you know, what, let's just reach out to stores and send them some of the some of the art we have and see what they have. So you just you know, throw the darts out there and see what lands. And it's been doing really well. I'm actually going to probably send out another 15 to 20 emails today and just see what comes back. And the fact that that many stores want to carry like the first issue, it's very enlightening to see that there is some progress and some, you know, that my passion is coming to fruition for me. We talked about this before, but just to refresh my memory, the deal with Ageless Comics Publishing, that kind of came in as a fringe benefit of getting Noah Ray. Correct. Yeah, because uh, Noah Ray and Matt Kuhn work together. And Matt Kuhn is the publisher for Ageless. Yep. Matt Kuhn and Brett Murphy are the two are the co-owners of Ageless. Yep. And Noah brought in Matt because they had worked together on some previous projects, excuse me. And, and obviously they do constructing comics um, podcasts every week together too. So, I mean, they are close and I think this really, I mean, they both love this project and to see that someone else loves it as much as I do and puts as much heart and soul into it as much as I have. Uh, it really makes me feel good. I love this interview because on the first question, you covered a lot of my like other <laughs> questions that I had to follow up with. So if we feel like we're repeating at all, we probably are a little bit. It's all right. It's all right. So issue one, that's going through October. The Kickstarter is mm-hmm. going through October. You'll mm-hmm. get that funded up. I'm sure. No problem. Yep. What's the future for Dino Thrashers? Uh, well, we have three other issues written, um, and I have well, we have plans for pro, uh, for the first for the first arcs to be twelve total issues, I believe, maybe sixteen for the first four. I mean, Noah, Matt, and I we plan, we talk. Noah and I talk every single day about different ideas that we write down. Whether it's another character, whether it's another little hidden artifact that could be in one of the issues or anything. Do we want to add another villains? Do we want to add other planets? It's all very like, let's see what we can get in there without without putting too much in there and really just get it excited. Um, but the four, the first four issues are written. I'll probably tweak them. And well, we're gonna have to tweak issue two because one of our tiers was um, get drawn in issue two. We had six slated for it. Those sold out in a matter of 30 minutes. So we added six more. So we're gonna have 12 people drawn into issue two as background characters or whatever. Um, my older brother, it was kind of funny. He's like, I want to be eaten by a dinosaur. Don't make me a punk. I was like, okay, that's fine. And then he decided to change the, his plan to my niece being in it, who was, she's five. And she's, and she actually, he, he brings her to the comic shop by the house, like all, all by his house all the time. So he's like, I want to see her. And I'm like, I don't want to have a dinosaur eat my niece at all. I mean, I don't think that's great. He's like, no, make, make sure she survives, doesn't get eaten. But he's excited for that part. He's like, I just want to see the comic in the shop and tell people that's my little brother's comic. Which, since he was the one that introduced me into comics, that makes me feel so good that he's proud of that factor. Your brother got you into comics. Yeah, I was okay. like coming six, back into like, it, like five or six when he first when he first started showing me comic books. He's six years older than me, um, and our room was Spider Man Central because that's all because that's what he loved. So we had the Spider Man phone, the, the posters were on the wall, the comics were everywhere, and then also 
Ninja Turtles was one of the, was the one of the first comics that you brought to my attention to. Okay, so this was a, this was a while ago that you oh, ended, a long ended. time ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm 38, so this was like back in the like late 80s that he got me into comics. Uh, the only reason I brought that up, there's so many people that seem to be they're into almost everyone is into comics at some point as a child, mm-hmm. and almost everyone seems to fall out of it for a little bit. And then I've seen a lot of writers, creators, myself included, who kind of fell out of comics and then got back into them later in life and then decided, that, yeah, Hey, this that, is something that was I'm, me. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. Um, when I was in like my, in my teens and early twenties, I mean, I don't think people really, really didn't think that comic books were cool or they were the thing to do. It was always like, let's go play a game or let's go hang out somewhere or whatever, or get drunk, video games, whatever. But then like then Marvel movies started coming out and as soon as was it 02 or 01 when Spider-Man came out in the theaters the first one I think it was freshman in college or sophomore year of college that's when I picked them up again not really heavily but then I started going to comic conventions and stuff like that like I wasn't big into the books I was big into the shows and the movies at that point but then I started collecting the books again but more like you know the graphic novel like behind me I have why the last man and some walking dead behind me. Um, so that's the stuff that I'm into, like that I'm into. My wife started reading um, the walking dead books. I'm not huge into the walking dead comics, uh, the graphic novels. They just were never really my thing, but why the mask, why the last man is something that I like a lot too. If you are younger listening to this right now, you do not know the struggle. Marvel, the Marvel cinematic universe, because of that comics are cool. Now comics, if you were a person into comics in the eighties, in the nineties, you were not cool. Oh, you were chastised. You were you were obliterated by your friends or whoever. Like I, I I couldn't imagine being like a comic book fan in like the late nineties, early two thousands, and having like Reddit or like any other website that could just tear you apart because that's what would happen. Now it's super since like oh one and obviously when the when the MCU came out in oh eight, I mean now it's super cool to be a comic book fan again. And it's like, okay, well, you didn't live through the serious struggle that all of the rest of us had to really live through at this point. Mike, what have been the biggest obstacles or challenges that you've had making Dino Thrashers? And how did you overcome them? Well, the writing part wasn't, I think an obstacle for me was making sure, I mean, I, w- I read through my script, I want to say at least a thousand times, because of the fact I want to make sure that the dialogue was matching, was just as good as the action scenes or just as good as the description. Um, once I gave the script to Noah the first time, he came back and he's like, the amount of description that you have in this book is going to be very difficult because of how intricate and how, like, how many little things you want shown. And I took that as like, oh man, I mean, I'm going to lose like half my book. I'm not going to know what's going on. So that was a big thing for me. Not the, not the actual dialogue, but the actual content, because I would put in uh, even page two. No one looked at it. Like there were so many people that came back and was like, holy crap, the amount of stuff that you have trying just to like show in like one panel on page two is going to be daunting for any artist. Um, so Noah came back to me and I was, you know, I was pretty nervous about it. And I was like, okay, well, let's completely change this. And he's like, look, he's like, we can do what we can do. What we don't want to do is we don't want to like leave too much here. But we also don't want to take too much out. So it was all about collaboration and, you know, what we can keep in, what we can't keep in, what can we move to like a different panel or what can we hold off to another issue at this point? Um, which really did, it was all about me and Noah just making sure 
that we were on the same page and he would come back to me. He's like, I want to move this panel around. I was like, you are the artist. Whatever you think needs to happen, whatever we need to change to make sure this book is the best it can be, this book or the next book, or if we need to change something, let's just make it happen. Let's, let's do it. Let's, because we want to make sure that everyone is reading the same thing and seeing what we seeing like what we've put into it. And we really came to that point of, you know, it's all about trust because Noah comes into it with Matt and Matt puts Matt puts very little description into it. So he, he, we've talked about this a thousand times, how Matt's descriptions and mine are completely different when it comes to when it comes to panels. So I am very descriptive. That's part of my writing style. But after he said that. I looked at it and was like, okay, well, let's going forward, let me leave it up to the artist. So the other so the next three issues, I have very little description in my panels, unless it's necessary, and I'm leaving it all to Noah. And that was a big thing for me because now I'm taking kind of a step back and really concentrating on the dialogue and the and really the scenes and not the description. So I'm actually really cool with it because it's less that I really have to like really throw into it, but it also means that I have a lot of trust in my artist too. Yeah, I, I tried to tone it down uh, in issues two, three, and four. And I sent issue, I sent Noah issue two, and he's like, "This is this is a little, this is a little more my speed when it comes to uh, the descriptions." He's like, "Still do what you do, and make sure that you know it's the best we can do, but just know that I'm going to change it if I have to." And I'm like, "Go right ahead. That's that's what a team does. You know, they work together on what they need to, and whatever makes it better, then we're both happy." What do you feel has been the biggest mistake you've made starting out? I think the biggest mistake was starting it and not like, I mean, you really can't say that you want to be able to find an artist before you even start, before you even start your, your writing, because that's going to be impossible unless you've already established yourself as a first time writer for a comic, like first time published writer for a comic or any type. It's going to be hard to find an artist that's just going to trust you and just like, you know, believe that I can write it without having any kind of background in it. But I think the biggest mistake I had was taking to heart what some of those people were saying whether it's another creator or an artist or anyone just like, Oh, well, you're never going to get it made. Or, you know, you should, you should stick to whatever else you're doing. Listening to everyone else is always just kind of horse poop, you know, trust in yourself. And that, and that's all you can do. I mean, you can read all these books and you can do your outlines and everything like that. But if you don't trust in your process and what you're doing, you know, I think it's, it's always going to be a downturn. Um, I was asked before, what my process is. Do I do outlines? Do I, you know, do I write out the whole thing and then start writing? I don't, I don't plan out my dialogue. I don't plan out like my, my panel, I'll plan out my panels to a point of, you know, page or what I want to happen, but I will not do an outline. I think that actually it's not my process. I think it restricts you to that point, but, but some people love them. I'm just not someone that's into them. And I think from what I've, from what I've written, it really shows that I, I do better that way. As a newer creator, I mean, this is your first published work. And I remember when I was starting out and learning everything. And like you said, there's so much advice and some of the advice is contradictory. Mm-hmm. And as a newer creator, I thought it was my job to find as much of that and read as many books as I could about making comics and talk to pros and learn as much as I could beforehand to kind of be a sponge. But you have to be selective just about what you take in because there's so much out there. At the end of the day, I don't think anything beats sitting down at your desk with a pen and paper or at your word processor and actually doing the work. I I completely agree. Um, I mean, 
you take whatever, whatever, what anyone says with a grain of salt, right? I mean, you really, and I can give you advice. I mean, family members, you can, you can ask the biggest pros, like, you know, what's your process? How did this work for you? How did this not work for you? It's, it may not work for you as well. I mean, or whatever they, whatever worked for them just may not be something that you're comfortable with doing or something that you're really, that you really want to do. I mean, you look at some of them that may just like, oh, well, you know, I have to do an outline. I have to, I have to really like plan my dialogue ahead of time. I have to do this. I have to do that. It may not be your process. It may not work. I mean, it may work, but it's all about your mentality and how you really want to write the book. Like I said, I mean, I don't like to, I don't like to do the outlines. I think it's, it's helpful to a point, but I won't sit there and plan a whole book or, you know, a 12 issue arc with an outline. I'll plan my four issues with a slight outline with, with what I want to happen. And then I just write, cause that is my process. I mean, I'll sit there, not pen and paper. I'll have, I'll sit on my computer. I'll have my, I'll have my cartoons on one screen as my inspiration. And I will just go to town and I'll, and I'll write. And sometimes I'll hear like, you know, if I'm watching the cartoons or I have them on, I'll hear like a phrase that I want to incorporate. And yeah, I have a Google doc of about 15 pages of different phrases or different things you want to incorporate or different names of certain things that I want to have. But that's basically my outline process. Like that's what helps me going forward. It's all about the inspiration. It's all about where you get it. I mean, anyone can get it from anywhere. And it's like, I was like, I even told Noah, I was looking at like, I'll lay in bed one night and I'll look at like the ceiling fan over in the dining room. And it's like the way that it's shaped. It's like, this could be like a character of like a man array with like, with octopus tentacles, like spinning around. It's very strange (laughs) to to explain that out in person. Um, But the way that it is, it's just like, okay, well that could be a cool character for later on or, or I'll tell them, look, this is like, this is like a dinosaur that I want to incorporate. And then Noah will send back like a design for that character in like two hours. I'm loving my process and learning it more as I go along has helped. What's been your best moment so far? The best moment for me was seeing those first four pages come back colored. I was like in total awe. And my wife looked at me and she's like, what? I'm like, it's coming to life and she's like what do you mean and i showed her the four pages she's like michael these are beautiful i'm like i know these are really like fantastic pages and i can't wait to see the rest and when i saw those i even said to well there's that there's this there's this part and then there's another one where noah is part of like a theater group with his wife and they recorded the audio for the first four pages of the book and hearing that in person got like a big smile on my face. And I was like, I want to see this (laughs) as a cartoon at some point. That was like my biggest moment for me. And I look at it and it's like, could this be a cartoon? Yes. When? Who knows? But I mean, it's something that would really, I think, could be turned into, you know, a bigger franchise than what it is. Uh, Well, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, advice is BS. But what was the best advice that you received starting? I haven't received any. Um, The best advice that I would really, that I mean, was basically, it was from my family members. And when it wasn't from an artist, it wasn't from a creator, it wasn't from a publisher, it was from my family. It was just like, you can write, you can, you know, you've put your heart into a lot of things and you've succeeded with them. This is something that you can do. You just have to sit down and do it. And that's, you know, and I took that to heart. I mean, it was from my, it was from my wife. My sister said the same thing. And it was, I mean, I've, I really am happy with how this came out. And it was having the support of the people, of the people in your life is always a big part of it. Whether, 
whether they're behind you fully or, you know, they're supportive in small ways of just saying, you know, this looks fantastic or whatever. I mean, just having any kind of support is always a big thing. You want that. You want that support. You want those people to be behind you. I would be writing pages downstairs, you know, for three or four hours and I'd go upstairs and the wife's like, you finished the book? You finished the issue yet? It's like, no. She's like, well, then what are you doing up here? Go back downstairs and finish the book. You only have two pages left. Go downstairs and finish. And I'd be like, well, I don't want to spend time with you. She's like, get your butt downstairs and finish your book. So the fact that she kept telling me, finish, 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 it shows even more how much faith that she has in me and in this book to really do well. And that itself is amazing that your wife instead of telling you, Hey, are, are you done with that? Spend time with me is actually mm-hmm. pushing you to finish. Yeah, no, she, she, she's fully behind and she hasn't read it. She refuses to read the book until it comes out. She's like, I do not. She's like, I do not want your, I don't want to do criticism. She's like, I want to enjoy the book for what it is when it comes out. She's, she's seen the art, but she has not read the descriptions. She has not read the dialogue. She just refuses to do it. She's like, I want to read it when it's printed, when you are finished. It's like, I want to see the, I want to see the finished product. That is the most important thing. If I've got nothing else out of this conversation I've had with you out of this interview, uh-huh. your wife's a keeper, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she she is my other half. Uh, and the fact that we've been stuck home together since March 17th uh, with both of us working from home and haven't killed each other um, and her pushing me to do this. She's taking on another, you know, she, she took up crocheting. I took up writing comic books. So, <laughs> and, you know, even with Dino Thrashers, I mean, I have other stuff that I'm trying to, and that I'm working on with Noah, and I have a couple other buddies that have written books and wanted to get graphic novels started, so we have other projects going on. So it's, um, it's going to be an interesting year. What do you think the future holds for you? Obviously not getting too spoilery, but uh, what's, what's rolling around in your brain uh, that you can share with we us? Have, we have some horror comics, we have some sci-fi stuff going on. Uh, Noah has... He started out with like he wanted to do a G.I. Joe style book before I came along. And then he saw what I had and he put a lot of his G.I. Joe style into this. But he does have some of the characters that him and I are going to start building some series around. So we're going to see what happens. And it's interdimensional. It's it's time travel. It's going to be pretty badass. I'm pretty excited. All right. Everyone listening. Let's get out there. Let's support Mike McCarthy. Dino Thrashers is his very first published work. It is live on Kickstarter now through October 31st. Go check out Dino Thrashers by going to Kickstarter. Just like Spider-Man, it's Dino hyphen Thrashers. So don't forget that hyphen, but type that in. It'll pop right up. Mike, where else can we find you online? Uh, you can find us on Instagram. It is Dino Thrashers underscore comic. And you can find me at MJM Photographs NH. That's on Instagram as well. And uh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I'm, and August, October 31st, you know, end of, the, end of the comic time. You know, we're excited. We can't wait to be funded. And then we can't wait for everyone to see. We have some extra stuff, you know, for some, uh, some push goals to the end. So we're excited. Mike, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Bill, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at underthemaskshow at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Under the Mask podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you've found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast. 
Signing off.